And with Zach already uh, praying for the word, we're going to get right into our message here in Revelation chapter 18. Uh, it's been a sort of rocky kind of time lately with our uh, the stocks and our economy. Uh, surprisingly, I think through the whole pandemic, uh, things kind of kept going. But then I was just reading um, in the financial news that reported how this First Wednesday of the new year was the first loss of 2022 when the Dow dropped like uh, over four, nearly 400 points. And I guess they were saying investors had reacted to the Feds talking about raising interest rates. So there's a wonder what's going to happen, right? We're kind of wondering what is going to go on, you know, what's going to happen to our economy as we move forward here in 2022. But we know in times of economic uncertainty, the Bible gives us really some examples of how some have handled their finances. For example, Noah, you didn't know this, but Noah, he floated his stock while everyone else in the world had to go into liquidation. Or how about Pharaoh's daughter? She went to the bank of the Nile to withdraw a profit. And we saw how Peter was able to provide by his net income. All right, I got some laughs. I know everyone's laughing on, online. We just can't hear them. Well, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't know, but the Bible does tell us what will happen to the world economy now uh, during the tribulation, really towards the end of the tribulation, what we're going to look at today. There's going to be a global financial crash that is going to happen. So as we return today, finally, to the book of Revelation, we find in our passage that God's judgment will fall upon a world caught up in covetousness and greed because of the economy, because of what the Antichrist has done in his one world government. So God's judgment will be the final global financial collapse. And that's the title of our message this morning, the final global financial collapse. And we're actually going to only take a portion of this chapter, the first start uh, from Revelation 18 from verse 1 through 8. And so this is really part one of what we're going to be seeing in this chapter. Uh, what we're going to see today is three things. Number one, this is our outline, the economic update. Number two, the early warning. And number three, the equal retribution. So that's our outline uh, as we get into this chapter here. Let's begin here as we look at the final global financial collapse. Number one in our outline is the economic update, the economic update. And if you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verses one through three here. And actually, let's take a look at these verses and read them. In verse one of Revelation 18, it says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. And then verse 3, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. All right, we'll stop there. Now, we begin with John the Apostle continuing to write here. And he writes these two words in verse 1, after this. After what? Well, after the previous vision that we actually saw in chapter 17. Now, you remember in this place where we're at between chapter 16 and chapter 19, we're in this pause, we're in a break here. And so after the last judgments, right, the bold judgments that were poured out, there was a series of three judgments that we studied 
uh, in the book of Revelation that what happened during the seven-year tribulation, uh, we saw the seven seals, we saw the seven trumpets, and then in chapter 16, we saw the seven bold judgments that were poured out. Well, in chapter 19 is when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation and and uh, defeats the Antichrist, his armies, and takes over the earth, and the millennium starts as he rules and reigns upon the earth. Well, we're in between the seven bold judgments, the last judgments, and Christ returning to this earth, and God sort of put a pause in the prophecy to tell us a little more things about what's been going on in the world and how it relates to even the seven bold judgments that we just saw in chapter 16. So God reveals some details about what's been going on in, during the tribulation at seven years. And we learned, didn't we, in chapter 17, we, we took, I think, three Sundays, three messages to see how not only does the Antichrist head up a one-world government as we've been studying Revelation, but in chapter 17 we saw how the Antichrist promotes a one-world religion. If you missed the messages, I really encourage you to go back to chapter 17 and you kind of get an idea even where we're at today in our world. And so he promotes this one world religion. There's a unity of, of this, this ecumenical type of faith. And then at the midpoint of the tribulation, he ends the world religions. And that was the title of our past two messages in chapter 17. And remember, this was the devil's plan all along, to bring everyone together and seduce the world into worship of other things other than God. And then he turns the whole world and seduces them into worship of the Antichrist, which is really worship of, the, of Satan, as we've been seeing even back in chapter 13. So as we move into chapter 18, we're still in this pause now. And we just focused in on the end of world religions and how Satan used that with the one world religion. Well, as we move into chapter 18, the focus is, an, is on another part of the system of the Antichrist. So we have a one world government, we have a, a one world uh, religion, and it ends with really ending world religion with the worship of, of the Antichrist. It's still basically one world religion. Well, the focus in chapter 18 now turns to another part of his system is a one world economy, a one world economy. And so that is the best way to keep that in mind as we come into chapter 18. We got a glimpse of his control over the economy back in Revelation 13. Do you remember when he required that Christ required everyone to receive a mark and what they were not able to buy or sell without that mark. So he's in control. He has this one world monetary system going on during the tribulation. We're going to talk more about that uh, next time, but just Keep this in mind now. Chapter 17, it was Satan's plan, his design, get the world together to draw the world away from the one true God and get them into world religions and ultimately his goal to worship the Antichrist. Well, in chapter 18, we see another way that Satan seduces the world away from God, and that is by using wealth, by using riches. By using something, if you, I was thinking, if you can't get, Satan can't get you with other religions, well, you know what? He'll try and get you with this, this covetousness, with this desire for wealth and riches. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now we understand this verse. I've spoken about it several times in our study in the book of Luke, but money is neutral, right? It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. I was thinking, well, it's like the internet. The internet can be used for good, but it can be used for evil purposes of Satan too. But what we see in 1 Timothy uh, 6, 10, we see that the love of money is the problem. 
The love of money is that root. The love of money, like loving money more than God himself. That becomes what? An idol. That's idolatry. And that is Satan's tool. He uses that to bring about wickedness and sin. And many Christians have fallen to his temptation and have wandered away from putting God first in their life. Okay, so with that in mind, we get into chapter 18. After this, after this chapter 17 about the world religions, now we're getting into this world economy that's going on during the tribulation. So John writes in verse 1, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. In other words, here's another angel uh, different from the one that had been talking to him and giving him the vision in chapter 17. So God sends another one of his holy angels like the other. But this time, he doesn't talk to John. He actually comes down from heaven. This is what John says. He's talking to the whole world. John writes here, This angel has great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. In other words, he's a high-ranking guy uh, speaking for God now. Uh, He must be, I guess, traveling around the earth, flying around the earth, I could imagine. And as he does, it says here in verse 1 that uh, the earth was made bright with his glory. Uh, He comes from heaven, so he carries with him the glory of heaven. And he's making the earth bright. Now, do you remember after the fifth bowl, um, it, it was right, and uh, that darkness uh, was was plunged. The earth was plunged into darkness. Well, can you imagine this angel now traveling around? The earth is all dark, and here's this bright angel flying around. I mean, for sure, the angel will be seen for sure and noticed by everyone on the earth. So then, verse 2, as he's flying around, as he's calling out with a mighty voice to where everyone in the world can hear, he says this, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. So in context of what I just told you about, I believe when he's talking about Babylon that is fallen, that he is speaking about the financial system of the Antichrist has been ruined. It has collapsed. Now, I believe this angel comes out after the seventh bowl. We saw back in chapter uh, uh, 16 that after that big earthquake uh, there and cities fell, well, that also decimated the world economy with all of that happening. And so here's the angel repeating now, fallen, fallen, emphasizing the finality of this world economy. So here's the idea. God sends this angel to give basically an economic update here. He proclaims, really it's saying, as you see an angel, right, flying around, that it is God who's done this. It's God's judgment that has brought the final end to a one world economy. Now, remember, we we learned, right, that Babylon the Great uh, it, it really refers and can include like four things in the Antichrist world system. And first of all, I mentioned this to you too uh, before, was first of all, there's the location of Babylon. So Babylon the Great could be the location, the capital, the headquarter, the actual physical place where the Antichrist rules from. It's the old revived Babylon. It's, it, it could be, remember I mentioned, it could be in Iraq. There's a resurgence and interest of rebuilding Nebuchadnezzar's old place and all. It could be in Iraq. Some even say, no, it's headquartered in Rome, some say. But either way, from that last bold judgment, it's destroyed. It's flattened. We saw, we talked about how cities around the world, New York, right, Los Angeles, uh, uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong were all just decimated and so included was this Babylon, this location, Babylon the Great. We also talked about, it also includes, uh, when we talk about Babylon the Great, the political system, the political power the Antichrist holds as president of the world, ruler of that one world 
empire, which he's going to totally lose in Revelation 19 when Jesus returns. The third thing we saw was the religious Babylon I just talked about. His religious reach of his administration into that one world religion, chapter 17. But there's one more I mentioned, and that's where we're at. It's the commercial Babylon, the economic Babylon, the economic system of the Antichrist, this one world economy, and this is the focus here. So Babylon the Great, right here in context, it speaks of how the economy just collapsed all over in the world. We're going to see more, and, and it's going to unfold more to you next time when we meet and finish off the chapter. So Babylon the Great speaks of the economy of the last world empire. So why? Why is Babylon the Great, the economy part, why is that, the commercial part of Babylon, why is it fallen in judgment? Well, if you look at verse 2, we see why. It says, She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. So the first reason that Babylon's economy, uh, commercial Babylon, is fallen is because Satan is behind the economy of Babylon. That's why. Number one, that's why God's judgment comes. And, And I want you to really see this and key in on this. I mean, look at what is explained here. She, that's Babylon, has become a dwelling place for what? Demons. They operate from there, from Babylon. They're sent there at the Antichrist headquarters, the demons headquarters. They haunt the halls there. They hang out there. They hide out there. That's the idea of the word haunt. And it's where every unclean bird, like uh, in the Old Testament, there was unclean birds that the Jews were supposed to stay away from. Well, well, this is really speaking about these demons that are hovering around this place along with every detestable beast. It's like unwanted animals. Demons are infesting Babylon, this part of this whole system of the Antichrist. So we see that this one world global financial economy system, right? This financial system, Satan has the one who sets it up and operates this commercial kind of system of the Antichrist. It's Satan who's done that. It's Satan and his demons. Now, I was thinking about something Pastor Chuck Smith once said. He said, big money rules. Man is exploited today by commercialism. We are the victims of this satanic system. I mean, we, we understand that today. I mean, we can see it in the commercials, right? How, how many times, like, I'm looking at social media and I'm tempted, oh, the ad pops up, I'm tempted, oh, that looks interesting, and you click on it, right? And it's all designed for you to follow that lead into that path to their store to purchase that product from them. I'm not saying it's it's bad or good, but but that that's the that's the way we work. Advertising, right? Commercials, all of that. I mean, right? Think about yeah, the Super Bowl and right, the big thing is how much money the advertisers pay, companies pay to get their ad out there to get the business, to get people buying. Well, think about the commercialism of Satan. How he wants to draw the world away really from God and make an idol out of wealth and riches. That's the way Satan works. And this is what's going on during the tribulation. Not only does Satan draw people away religiously or spiritually, I should say, but through our own uh, desires for for riches, for being greedy and covetousness. So this is what's being unfolded here. You know what's going on behind this world economy? Satan and his demons. And so number one, the reason that Babylon is judged, we find an angel saying because Satan is behind the economy of Babylon. Now secondly, we see in verse 3, Babylon seduces the world into idolatry of riches, the idolatry of riches. That's the second reason why Babylon is judged. We see in verse 3, For all of nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now, 
I believe this is not talking about in a physical sense, but the world has passionately committed spiritual sin, spiritual adultery, spiritual fornication by giving themselves over to the pursuit of riches, materialism, which is not God, which is putting God secondly to the world, right? They, Babylon has tempted and seduced the world into serving and worship mammon, right? Jesus said we shouldn't serve uh, we cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. No, so the, so the world is drawn into money, not God. And so that's why it's so dangerous for us, and we're going to be seeing this in the next sec- section, as believers, watch out for this, because Satan here is fully pulling people into this. And, and, and so nations, countries have drunk this wine with this passion for, for wealth, for money, for materialism. And even the kings of the earth has committed immorality with her. What's this saying? What's well, saying even the leaders, even governments have promoted what Babylon promotes, have helped people to go after and enjoy and covet everything that Babylon is offering. And sometimes I think how the government, even in the world, uh, world governments today in different countries, uh, even our own, yeah, will entice people to reach for, oh, the, that better life, this will support us, right? Vote for us, and we'll give you these things, right? It's, it's this power play sometimes that politicians use. Cause, and so you can imagine what's going on here during the tribulation. And of course, at the end of verse 3, that um, the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. The businessmen, the companies, the manufacturers, they profited from this uh, thirst of people buying and purchasing of this, how Babylon has offered and said, this is it, this is what it's about. It's about us, it's about you and you having the things that you need to live here on this life and not just have have, uh, what you need, but what you want. You deserve this. You should have this. And think about how that that really mixes in and links in with I've talked to you about how when the Antichrist becomes the guy, right? Oh, we want to ascend like him. We want to be like him. We want to rise up in our evolutionary steps to be like him, have spiritual power. But not only that, have money, have possessions, have things. It's interesting, the word uh, luxurious here in the original language is stenos, and it literally means straining. It literally means like striving. And what is that? Like lusting, right, after material things. It's greed, it's covetousness. I was thinking about, do you remember when how Satan played uh, the same card? He took this same strategy when he tried to tempt Jesus. When he said in Matthew chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9, he told Jesus with that, oh, hey, I can uh, offer you all the kings and kingdoms of the world and their glory. All you have to do is wor- worship me. Just serve and worship me. All these I give you if you fall down and worship me. Of course, Jesus is like, no way. But think about that offer. Think about what Satan offers. You can have everything in this world. Yeah, yeah, you can you can make it big. You you can be up there, right? Just just come my, my way. Do it my way. And so Satan continues to do that to draw people away from God to set up this idol. And so we see that's why Babylon, the Antichrist's world uh, economy or or commercial Babylon, draws the world away. So the angel gives this economic update, and this is our point here. It, it is God who has brought the final end to the godless commercial system of the Antichrist. That's, that's what it's about. And I want you to really wrap your minds around this, because it's important how we understand all these aspects of this system of the Antichrist is also the way that Satan will draw people away 
from God. So it's God who's brought the final end to the godless commercial system of the Antichrist. You know, that kind of idea is still running now, right? Um, governments, as I mentioned, and leaders and, and big you know, CEOs and leaders of the company. I was uh, reading how last year I came across this article how big tech, big tech companies such as like Google, Facebook, Amazon, uh, they reported in this article they're spending record sums on lobbying, lobbying political groups to help them, their company, in government regulations, yeah? So they want to, like, schmooze the politicians to help them so their company would make more profits. So it's about money, right? If you have money, you can influence, and in some cases, we've seen, right, control the government to help you what? Make more money. I mean, think about that type of corruption that is going on. It, it, you know, government regulation is supposed to help the people, right? God set up government to, to help us, help the people, to protect them, to serve the people. But then if you have money, you have a big company, you can use your money to help you. And it's not, the regulations aren't so much for the people. We know that's that's the way the world runs. We know there's battles in, in government against that. There's those who are against it, but those who are for it. And there's that, that's a lot of the battles that we see politically. We know it happens. We know the story. And I think we can get immune, you know, to all this stuff going on. And, and did you know I was reading, it, it really started from the time of the Renaissance. Uh, before that, there was like feudal lords and certain kings, and then there was everyone else. Yeah, the farmers who worked their land and everything. But during the time of the Renaissance, of, of the, the, the birth of, and rise of education and uh, all of that, uh, powerful uh, and wealthy businessmen rose up as they got into business and manufacturing and trade and all of that. And then they became powerful uh, to begin to uh, uh, influence governments with their own interests. So this marriage of money and politics, think about it this way. It's going to reach its peak in the tribulation. It's going to reach its peak in the tribulation. I know we see it. We hate it. We can get angry. We can get hostile against it. We can be filled with emotion. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote, take what you know the things we have a right to do to vote and all that. But be careful we don't get into the flesh with that. I think the best thing we got to do is, we, um, yeah, we, we, we can give our voice and vote and all that and write letters, but you know what the best thing to do? Is do what Paul talked about, is pray for our leaders to be delivered of Satan's deception and seduction here. That's what we got to pray for. We got to pray for their soul. We got to pray that they would get saved. That's what we got to keep in mind. Because you know what? Soon, I think we're right around the corner with the tribulation. Soon, these guys who are around, they're going to be under this same judgment and their soul will be lost in the final global financial collapse. Think about it that way. And when I thought about it that way and studying this this week, I thought, wow, that broke my heart. For our, our leaders, you know, our mayor, people on council, people in the state government, our governor, you know, even our president and the Congress guys all there. It broke my heart to think, you know what? Lord, if you do bring the tribulation, it's around the corner. These guys are going to be lost in this. And their soul will be lost in eternity. And that broke my heart. It broke my heart. All right. Well, we get this economic update from this angel flying around that he gives to the world. Number two in our outline is this. The early warning. The early warning. And here we're going to cover verses 4 and 5, which we'll read right now. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her people, my people, or come out of her, excuse me, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in your, her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, at this point in verse 4, 
you know, John had seen this angel hearing, he recorded what the angel was saying. Well, at this point, John then suddenly hears another voice now coming from heaven, interrupting this vision. Now, it, some feel like that this could be the Lord. And I, I think it could be the Lord coming from heaven. It could be maybe another angel speaking for, for the Lord. But I feel like it is the Lord because he says, my people here. So this voice comes, interrupts the vision now from heaven. And this voice comes uh, uh, from heaven saying, come out of her. Who? Babylon. Come out of Babylon, my people. I believe this is a call to the tribulation saints. You remember who the tribulation saints were? They were those who were saved after the rapture. Right before the tribulation, the church is taken up into heaven. We spoke about that. We studied First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians about all that. And so after the rapture, there's, there's immediately after the rapture, there's no believers on earth. But those who've been witness to, those family members, friends who never really embraced Jesus and was saved, they end up in the tribulation. But understanding what's going on and and they're going to give their life to Christ. And these are what we call the tribulation saints who are saved after the rapture. Well, I believe this voice, the Lord calls out to those believers in the tribulation. And he's calling to them saying, come out of Babylon. Come out of this system. Come out. You're my people. He's saying, don't partake. Because he says, if you partake of Babylon's sins, like making money for yourself, focusing on riches, worshiping riches, uh, materialism, all of that, then you're going to partake of the plagues, the judgments of what is going to be poured out in the bowls in chapter 16. Perhaps the temptation is strong, right? We saw how the Antichrist puts out this uh, requirement, right? You cannot buy or sell without the mark. And it was a mark of allegiance to the Antichrist. And of course, believers aren't going to do that. But imagine the, how hard it's going to be for them. They're going to suffer, right, under this mandate. They're not going to have food. They can't sell anything. They, they can't function, right? If you uh, accept the mark, well, you won't suffer, you can go on. Matter of fact, your life will be good with riches. But if you reject the mark, you'll suffer and lose it all. I believe that this warning comes out to speak to the tribulation saints before any of the judgments fall here. I believe the tribulation saints, boy, they're studying Daniel. <laughs> they're studying Revelation. They want to know what's going on. And they'll come to this part in verse 4 and 5 where God interjects. He interrupts this vision that is being given to, to John saying, hey, you guys, this is real. This is going to happen. So don't partake. Don't be part of it. Don't be tempted by Satan. For, he says, the sins of Babylon are heaped high as heaven. It's reached a point that God has to deal with Babylon. And God has remembered what they did. Uh, uh, the word remembered in the Greek is to be mindful and to respond. So basically it's time that judgment is to come. So God calls out really to the tribulation saints the early warning. And you know what that is? To separate from the way of the world, the way of Babylon. John MacArthur wrote, the message is a call for God's people to disentangle themselves from the world system. So I believe what we're reading here in verse 4 and 5 is, an, is a call to the tribulation saints. And perhaps they're, they're, they're going to already have this in mind when the Antichrist makes that mandate to receive the mark. So disentangle from this. Don't be part of it. Don't partake of it. Because as you read, you know what's going to happen in Revelation 18. So the early warning is this. Detach yourself from the world and the craving for more and more riches. I'll say that again. Detach yourself from the world and the craving for more and more riches. It just leads to idolatry. It leads you away 
from God. It's Satan's plan here. I read about this 40-year-old boy in uh, Minnesota. True, it, it was in the it was in the news. Uh, who is craving some candy, four years old, and he wanted it now. So you know what this little boy did? He took his grandpa's SUV to the store. Four years old. Uh, Sebastian Swenson backed the car out of the driveway. I mean, I think this is amazing. Four-year-old would do this. But true, this was in the news. He drove one and a half miles down a four-lane road at about 50 miles per hour. Can you imagine him trying to look over the steering wheel on the dashboard. Uh, He did hit a few mailboxes, ran into a tree, and drove, really, all this in the middle of rush hour, eventually pulled into the parking lot of the store where, of course, he was met by the police by then. Crazy. All the while thinking, I'm just going to go drive because I want candy. All the while thinking that this is okay. But you see, we can be like that. We can do the same thing. We justify doing things to satisfy our appetite. We think it's okay. It's okay. We do this. Oh, we need more of this. We need more of that. Oh, I deserve this, right? I have a right to this. I, some, you know, I know sometimes some of us have struggled as we grew up and maybe our, our families didn't have a lot of money and now you get a chance and you go, I have a right to make a life for myself. And yeah, praise the Lord, we live in a country where we can, right, uh, start our own businesses or, or, or work and have a nice living. I mean, praise God, we live in a country like that. Not all countries are like that. I mean, even while, a while back, you know, when the Talib, Taliban, you know, was overtaking Afghanistan and life just went upside down, I was thinking just how life must be for people in Syria, yeah, uh, uh, the, the Afghanistan or countries where, oh, the government is so dictatorial that it's crazy. I remember when Pastor Ron was here uh, and um, him and uh, Yanni shared how in, in Cuba under the communist rule, you know, they barely make $50 a month or something like that, right? And you think, what? But look at us. We're blessed, yeah? We're blessed. But sometimes we go farther with that, thinking, well, we have a right. I want more. We desire more. We crave things. We crave that shiny stuff. And you know what? That's what Satan wants us to think. Yeah. And so we, we, we start to drift from a passion for God, but we start to drift for, well, i got to make a life. i got to do this. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm not saying it's wrong to invest. I'm not saying it's wrong to follow the Lord in how he wants you to make your money and follow the Lord to be a steward of his money. But when we start to go for it and to go to possess more, you know what happens? The money possesses us. And and Satan makes us think that it's okay. It's okay I take the SUV. I'm only four years old. What's the matter? I want this. I need this. And Satan makes you think that when you get that, you are going to be content. But we understand greed never satisfies. Coveting something never makes you content. It actually leads you to an empty life. In Luke 12, 15, it says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Understand this today, what Satan is doing yeah in the tribulation he's trying to do today and it only comes into this huge peak here in the tribulation so watch out perhaps it's a word today for you maybe you're online maybe you're sitting here that be careful because satan's happy when you put god aside and make an idol of these other things in your life uh, the money the possessions yeah, the things, when you make that more important than Jesus himself. So, careful. Hear God saying, come out of Babylon. Come out of that system. D- disentangle yourself. Detach yourself from those things. All right, so we see the economic update, the early warning, and now number three, the equal retribution. The equal retribution. 
verse 6 through 8, the rest of our, our section we're going to take here this morning. Uh, and again, let's read that whole section. It says, pay your back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her like a measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. So I feel like the angel, perhaps in this, this angel responds back, to the Lord saying, pay Babylon back. She paid others. Well, uh, she put out this stuff. Well, bring retribution. That's the idea. A repayer double for her deeds. Uh, the Greek literally says repay double for her double. In, in other words, let her punishment fit the crime. She mixed a double you know, mix a double portion of judgment to what she had given up, what she had doubly mixed here and match basically how high in luxury yeah that she she stood or sat yeah uh, uh, match that in the measure of the torment and mourning that Babylon will get for uh, the angel response she glorified herself like making herself as a queen like above everybody else like like untouchable. You know, I was thinking about that. A little money, right? If, if you don't have a lot and you, you get a little money, it, it sort of makes you a little prideful, yeah? Kind of makes you like, oh, yeah. You know, almost like you're, you're better than oh, all the poor folks, you know, or all the, all the people who didn't have much. And it can make you a little, little bit feel like you're a little more prideful. Well, Babylon was sitting up there like a queen. She thought herself not as a widow, poor and destitute and back then they were homeless they didn't have nothing but she's the queen basically she thought her lifestyle would never end she thought this would keep going on but that's why the plagues the judgments will come up upon her in a single day and burn up crush this economic babylon for the lord is mightier than babylon's riches and power so this is the equal retribution. And as much as Babylon did in leading the world astray, it's going to return upon her. Proverbs 20, verse 17 says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of greed. People can... Babylon was, was really scamming the world. Oh yeah, do this, do this, to get herself rich. Yeah? But... The Lord saying, it's going to come back on you. Bread gained by deceit, what she did afterward was going to uh, be like gravel in her mouth. So the equal retribution surely comes to Babylon for, and this is our last point, God will bring equal justice to those scammers who scam others. That's what Babylon was doing. That's what Satan does, basically. He scams us. He, he makes it look like, oh yeah, this is what you should have. This is the life. This is what you're to hold on to. You have the right. You should be able to, to, to reach those dreams and stuff. Don't listen to God. Don't give it to God. Don't, don't trust in Him. Don't do His will. But God will bring equal justice to Babylon because they were the scammers who scam others. I mean... I was thinking about what Babylon, what Satan will do to the world and why ju judgment falls upon her. And I'm thinking, well, that's good because no one likes to be scammed, right? We don't like to be scammed. I mean, years ago, I remember buying a used Toyota 4Run. It seemed good. It seemed like a good price. And as I was deciding, someone else pulled up to look at the truck and I felt pressured. I go, oh, yeah. So, so, so I committed to it. Later, I find out in the title, which I didn't see, that it was actually salvaged. And, and and that guy never said that. The the mileage was there's a discrepancy in all of that. I found that out when I went to the DMV. But you know how you feel. You feel ashamed. You feel scammed. You you you've been taken. You can get angry. You can get emotional. You're, you're all bummed out. 
Maybe you have a store. Maybe you're sitting here. Maybe maybe you bought something on Amazon. You get it. What is this? But praise God, you, you can return things easily there. Maybe it was a car you bought like me. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, you see in the news, oh, you know, Hawaiian Telecom, watch out for the scammers, you know. Maybe you were one of them. Yeah. Maybe you got pulled in. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, how we're getting texts now, Yeah. From scammers, you know, and, and and not just email before and calls on the phone and even our cell phone. I thought the, my cell phone was sacred and it was safe. But now I'm getting these telemarketing things and scamming, you know, from, from yeah. And, and you know it's it's not real when it says Jamaica on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know that, right? I mean, I hope you know that, yeah, <laughs> and you understand that. I hate it, right? But we can trust God. You know what? In the end, He's going to settle things. In the end, those who live this way will have to face the judgment of God. And it'll be equal retribution. I thought this was funny, uh, thinking about how God will do equal retribution. A number of years ago, these hackers were buying this malware from, I didn't know this, Hacker guys and stuff, these scammers. They, there's this underground like black market for computer viruses you can buy. Isn't that crazy? There's there's this this dark kind of black web place, internet. And so they were buying this special virus, a Trojan horse, to enable them to infect the virus into like banking software and all that. Um, it was called Sphinx. Well, the developers of this this scamming software they promise great features you know like for the, whoever buys it for you guys you know you can steal and you can evade people won't know and and um the this this certain computer virus and this underground market it was it was selling off the shelf so to speak the hackers um actually upped the price get this from five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars but very shortly after it became afterwards it became known that this particular virus was a scam. It didn't work. Isn't that crazy? The hackers are getting a dose of their own medicine. The scammers got scammed themselves. You can't trust anybody, you know, kind of thing. But don't trust the devil and his scams on you. Don't think it's okay, you know, to talk like you're a Christian but live like the world. To live in that same system. Don't be blind to how worldly you really are, especially when we take into account with what is coming. Let me say this this morning. God loves you so much. God loves you. That's why he calls his people out. Don't get tangled up in this. Don't get out of this system. Judgment's going to fall upon it. Don't, don't be part of that. I love you. I, I have better for you. Satan, the world may offer certain things, but they're never going to satisfy. They're not gonna, it's never going to fulfill one day. It's all going to come to an end. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at online. I, 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 I'm not sure where you're at, but this is a constant thing in our world pulling at us. Yeah? The worldliness, the, 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 the thirst and the the desire for more, yeah? The lust for more. Oh, I, I want this. Ooh, look at that thing. Oh, hey, the latest iPhone came out. Oh, I want that. Yeah, I, I do want that, but... <laughs> but no, Lord. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I think as we're getting into chapter 18, we need to reset our minds, yeah? We need to... Wait, wait, shake your hand. Wait, wait, I, I don't want to think like that. Wait, wait, I, I don't want to operate in that way. And what Satan's going to be, whoo, he's baiting the world now. He's going to pull the whole world into. We don't want to operate like the world does. Remember what Paul said in Romans 12, 2, the first part. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what we're talking about today, let it transfer, uh, transform your mind. Let it renew your thinking. Let it reset you today. Okay, and what is really important today? It's Jesus. 
is Jesus. Let it reset your passions and, and, and what's so important to you, what you spend your time, your money on, what you go after, what your goals, what your dreams are. Let it reset that to Jesus. Because in the end, you know what's going to be there? Jesus. God. His, the truth in His Word. I'll close with this. I just read this this morning. I thought, wow. Uh, the headline was a, a cop who lost everything when home burned to the ground discovered his Bible totally untouched by the inferno. Isn't that amazing? I just read this this morning. This Indiana police officer whose house burned down to the ground just two days before Christmas discovered that his family Bible had been completely untouched by the flames. I think he was at this uh, football game. And halfway through the game, he got a call that his house was on fire. And when he reached, uh, when he got back to his house, it was, it was all destroyed. Uh, uh, the police officer, Michael Price, said that there's not even a mark on the pages. Article said, despite losing almost everything and feeling helpless, the officer said he is grateful. We did lose a lot of material stuff, he said. It's everything you have. You have to start over. But the best thing is nobody was home and we still have what is important to us. And his family and that vibe when I thought, that is, that's what it's about. Yeah. In the end, all of it's going to burn, right? When judgment comes, right? We talk about, well, it's all going to burn anyway. Yeah, it will. And what's left? We'll have Jesus. Jesus in the truth in his word. So let's reset our minds this morning. Maybe you're okay, but maybe there's a little drift. Just understand the strategy and the, 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 the ploy of Satan here. So remember what's important. Remember what's going to become. It's the end of commercialism. It's the end of all this materialism. It's the end of greed and covetousness after riches. And it's going to happen in the final global financial collapse. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, forgive us today, God, of our wandering heart, Lord, that sometimes we do get caught up, Lord, in, in following those links off Facebook, that uh, sometimes we, we, we covet things that we, sh we shouldn't have, we don't need, but we just want more, that we take what you've blessed us with, Lord, the monies and riches, and we use it for our own will and our own pleasures when we are we should be stewards of what you've given us. And so, Lord, we want to reset our hearts right now. We want to transform our minds. We want to be renewed today, God, in our souls. Lord, we want to see clearly the tactics of the devil in our lives, Lord. And we want to be pure before you and say, Forgive us. We're sorry, Lord. We want to be cleansed and we want to be pure in our passions and let it be for you. God, we want to cast down the idols we've set up, God. But we want to worship you and serve you alone. So, God, we lay at the cross all these things. We surrender, Lord, to you everything. And may we seek you Number one, in our priorities, God, may we get close to you more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.